Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. Um, I am Dylan. Some of you maybe didn't recognize me because I styled my hair differently this morning, um, but it's still me. And yes, I do in fact wear glasses. Um, this isn't like me trying to be cool. I'm actually blind um, and like just refuse to wear them because wearing a mask and glasses feels impossible. Um, so, but I, I wear them when I teach up here. One, so I can see all your beautiful faces because I like to make eye contact with you when I teach and that might make you uncomfortable, but I'm gonna do it. And now I can actually see your eyes instead of just like blurriness. And I can also read the scripture. So I'm glad to be here this morning. If I haven't met you, like I said, my name is Dylan. I'm one of the pastors here at Renaissance. Um, and if we don't know each other well, I wanna change that, I wanna to get to know you. And, and like Stephen said, like the beauty of this is that one, we gather and worship a Lord who is worthy of the praise, but like we do so, so joyfully next to each other. And it is a joyful experience. So if, if anything, like hear from us, thank you for being a family that is joyfully worshiping with us. You, you add to that with us. So we're glad to do that together. Um, it's bright and early this morning, thanks to daylight savings, right? We have nice sun. Um, I don't understand why we still do daylight savings, like we're not an agricultural culture anymore. So I don't know why we keep setting our clocks backwards for the sun and the harvest when like, that doesn't matter anymore. And it says we get an hour of sleep, but honestly, I feel worse. Does anyone feel worse? Stephen felt worse. He, I heard Stephen say some over here. Like, I honestly woke up and it felt like the spring forward version. I was like, I think I'm dead. And honestly, it's probably because last night I did a Korean barbecue. Has anyone done the Korean barbecue where like you cook it yourself? Well, it's unlimited. And I told Graham this morning, when I put myself in unlimited situations, it's the worst place for me because I'm already a very cheap person. And so when you're paying for an unlimited quantity, I must reach above that quantity. And so like whatever $30 is, it's like I must reach $50 worth of meat. And so I probably ate that much. And like, let me tell you, that is what's brewing today with me is about $50 of Korean barbecue and two and a half cups of coffee. So like, I'm feeling great this morning. I hope you guys are feeling great and well rested. Um, but no, I, I am really actually uh, doing well. Just uh, had a, a really nice, nice busy week and got to spend some time with some of you this week. And um, so just excited to continue in our series in John. And guess what? It's almost over. Like there's only a few chapters, right? Like we, we can't keep doing John once the chapters end. And so we're almost there. We've been in the series for a little bit. There's a few weeks left. And today we're in John chapter 19. So you can go ahead and turn there and your Bible if you have one. Um, if you want a Bible, we have some in the back on the table directly in the back. You can have it. We have French and English Bibles. It's yours now. Take it. That's your Bible. 
Um, and if you want to be a person who reads it on their phone, you can do that too. There's no shame against that. I do that. And it's also going to be here on the screen. Um, so don't worry. We want you to be able to follow along in God's word. So John chapter 19. Today, like Graham kind of shared, is we're reaching kind of this high point of the gospel of John. We're reaching essentially like the climax of this story that John has been narrating and we're, that we're reaching in chapter 19. And what I consider like, I like watching a lot of movies. You know, the climax in the movie is the part where there's like a big twist. You know, like if you've ever seen, uh, what's that movie where Bruce Willis has been dead the whole time? Uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, it's like 30 years old. So like, that's your fault. But like, it's this big point. It's like, he's been dead the whole time. Like that's like the climax. And you're like, what? He's a ghost. So like today we're reaching this point in the gospel where it's like, this is the climax. And it's like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. But Jesus is like, yo, I've been mentioning this the entire time and you're still not getting it. And now it's going to happen. Like, like we see Jesus and John chapter one, verse 29, called the lamb of God. We see John the Baptist say to him, he says, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And here in John chapter 19, we get to see that fulfilled. Today, we'll look and see our I am statement of the series is I am the lamb of God. We started the series that way and today we actually get to see it happen. And what we read, Jesus has been hinting out throughout the whole gospel from 129 where he's called the Lamb of God. From chapter three, verse 14 through 15, Jesus says, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And then in 651, Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever and this bread which I offer so the world may live is my flesh, hinting again at the, the death we will read today. Chapter 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. In chapter 12, 24, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And in chapter 18, right before this, in verse 11, Jesus looks at and says, shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? So all throughout this gospel, Jesus has been saying, this is coming. This must happen. He's been teasing, he's saying, this is gonna, I must be lifted up. I must lay down my life. My, I must offer my flesh. And then today we get to the point in the story where it all happens. The death of Jesus. And some of you might say, how can this be good news today? How can the death of our savior, the Messiah, the son of God, how can the death of someone like that be good? We're gonna to read today. Because Jesus being the lamb of God who took the payment of our sins is good news for you and me today, church. So we're gonna read our text, we're gonna break it down and we're gonna see how God's amazing redemptive story reaches its pinnacle today. So turn with me in John chapter 19. We're gonna read we're going to skip around a few chunks of the scripture and, and we'll start in chapter 19 verses one through six. It says, then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head 
and they put a purple robe on him. Hail, King of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went out again and said to the people, am I going to bring him out to you now? Or I am going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said, look, here is the man. Verse six, when they saw him, the leading priests and the temple guards began shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Take him for yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. We'll skip to verses 17 through 20. It says, so they took Jesus away, carrying the cross by himself. He went to the place of the skull. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek so that many people could read it. Verses 28 and 30, we'll skip to it. It says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished and to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch and held it to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. Church, let's pray. God, we ask this morning that your scripture would move us. God, that your spirit would move in us and help us understand your word and the sacrifice that you have made. God, would this weigh heavy on us? This is heavy truth. But God, will we know the glory is yours and the good news is yours that you conquered. God, there are people in this room that need to hear this. God, would people come to you and give their lives to you? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm excited, church. This is what we've been waiting for in scripture. This is what is like heavy and hard, but like I'm really excited because I, I, I really dealt with this scripture this week and, and I, I really think the Lord just spoke this fresh breath of like the crucifixion to me that is like we need to understand but I also think it's hard it's really hard to read those verses our king of kings that we just sing praises to it's hard to read those verses and not feel something because I look and I say that's what I deserved I deserved to have thorns pressed into my skull. I deserved to be beaten with a whip. I deserved to be hung on that cross because of what my sin had earned me. That was my punishment. That was my suffering and my pain. And I read here that the son of God did it willingly for me. So I don't know about you, but when I read those verses, it's not something that sits easily within me. It's something I realized, man, like there is something there that Jesus has done for me. And I want us to wrestle with that. And I want us to come out and say, thank you, Jesus. Today, I want us to be worshipful and grateful and joyful knowing what Christ has done. Knowing that he took that pain and suffering that was mine, that cup of suffering and wrath that he took and drank willingly. 
But I want us to understand what crucifixion was like because so easily I can read that word and kind of just picture the cross and not think about all that entails. Has anyone ever seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ in here? Yeah, we watch, try to watch it every Easter. Really puts it into perspective, the crucifixion, and it'll make you cry a whole lot um, because it's a very detailed picture of it. But I read this commentary this week and, and it gave a nice word illustration. You know, some people are word people. So I wanna share that this morning. It's by um, a guy named Merrill Tanny. Is that how you pronounce it, James? T-E-N-N-E-Y, that's this right? Now, some really smart guy who wrote this really awesome commentary on John. These are not my words. Um, I'm borrowing from him. And I want us to get this idea of how horrible the cross was. He wrote this, he said, the victim carried the cross beam so like the part that went this way, the long part, the cross beam, right? That's a cross beam, yeah. Carried the cross beam to the place of execution where he was affixed to the cross by nails driven through the hands or most likely wrists right here. And then also a spike driven through the feet. Generally, a rope was tied around the chest, knotted between the shoulders and then tied to a wooden stake behind the body to prevent its falling forward as fatigue weakened the muscles. A peg was set in the upright stake to act as a supporting seat. The victim was stripped of their clothing and left shamefully naked, exposed to the mocking people, the heat of sun by day and the chill and dampness of night. The unnatural 90 degree position on the cross created a horrible twist at the waist. The position, the growing thirst, exposure to the weather, loss of blood and impaired breathing contributed to bring a lingering and painful death. The tension on the arms prevented, prevented a normal breathing which caused lungs to slowly fill with moisture the victim drowned slowly by internal accumulation of fluid. Crucifixion was probably the most diabolical form of death ever invented. And our savior took that for us. And that's the peak of the good news. Oh, church, come on. That's his promises. That's what God's been talking about coming, happening. How can this be good news? How can that be good? That's our savior. Dylan, you're crazy. But church, we need to understand Passover to really understand, to fully see what Jesus is accomplishing here. The victory that comes from this. Because it's no coincidence that all of this took place during Passover, right? Jesus didn't willy-nilly say, you know what, today I'm gonna let the Pharisees take me. No, for months he's been avoiding the Pharisees from taking him and him saying, no, my time has not yet come. And he said, now my time has come. It is not haphazardly. And it was during Passover for a reason. So I wanna explain what Passover is. The Passover is a Jewish holiday to celebrate and remember God's deliverance of his people from slavery in Egypt. And we're gonna read briefly in Exodus 12, kind of a description of what this was. 
So in Exodus 12, it'll be on the screen, you can follow along, starting in verse 11. It says, these are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night, this is God speaking, he says, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn, firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. So those are some of the traditions that they follow in this festival, the eating, the stick, the urgency, the unleavened bread. And we continue in 14. It says, this day is to remember each year from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. And then skipping to verse 21, Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to them, go pick out a lamb for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin, take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip it into the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and sides of the doorframe of your houses and no one may go through the door until morning for the Lord will pass through the land and strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe, the blood of the lamb, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. And then verse 24 says, remember these instructions are a permanent law that you and your descendants must observe forever. When you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe this ceremony and they're observing it here today in the scripture. And then your children will ask, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it's the Passover sacrifice to the Lord for he passed over the houses of Israelites in Egypt and though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. When Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed to the ground and worshiped. So this is what the Israelites are remembering, celebrating, and worshiping at this time. The night before, like right before this trial in the evening, they celebrated the Passover meal together and Jesus shared it with his disciples. So this is what's happening. The doors marked with the blood and the verses we read, it says the doors marked with the blood of the lamb were given life, not death. And they were delivered out of slavery into freedom by the blood. Those without the covering of the blood of the lamb face judgment and death. Church, as we stand back and get a full perspective of scripture, can you see this? Do you see this amazing story taking place? That this is the good news, that this is God's story he's been illustrating his promise since the beginning, happening now here in John 19. In Isaiah 53, verses three through 11, it says he was despised and rejected. This is prophesying what happens here. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turn our acts on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down, yours and mine. And we thought his troubles were a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed 
We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet, oh man, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. And this is where it gets crazy. It says, verse 10, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's plan will prosper in his hands. Because of his experience, my righteous servants will make it possible for many to be counted righteous for he will bear their sins. Church, he is the lamb of God. He is the true Passover lamb we see here that those marked or covered by his blood are delivered from death into new life. Amen? That's good news. I don't think you heard it. Those covered by his blood are brought from death into new life. Amen. We are delivered out of slavery into freedom in Christ. By his pain and suffering. That was God's good plan. Hebrews 9.22 says it's simple. It says, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So we stand and know, I don't know about you, I'm sinful. I'm not a perfect person. If you could say you are, let's have a talk and let me figure out how you do that so well. But if you're like me, there needs to be a payment. And here in Hebrews, it says there must be shedding of blood. And the beauty in Ephesians 1, 7 it's written, it says, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Behold the lamb of God, church. Jesus says it is finished. This is the good news. That this horrifying death and that this suffering was not for Nothing that it had a purpose and a reason and that it was God's good plan from the start. From the very beginning, it says he was reconciling us back to himself, not by what you were doing or working to, but what he was doing and we had no idea. First Peter 1, 18 through 20 says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid by mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed to you for your sake. I pray this morning that he is revealed to you. I pray that you accept this truth. And know that this was the plan from the beginning, before the world was laid out. And we see it as God starts to illustrate the story, even in the start of Genesis, when we see sin enter the world and God looks at Adam and Eve and he says, I will send someone to crush the head of the serpent. From the start, he said, you chose rebellion, but I will bring someone to crush sin's head. 
And then we continue in Genesis 17. He promises Abraham to be a father of many nations. It's not just lots of people. He says, no, 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 Jesus will come and he will make you a father of many nations because all will be brought under him. In Genesis 22, we get a great foreshadowing when Abraham trusts in God and is taking Isaac up the mountain. And Isaac said, hey, dad, um, we have all this wood and stuff to kill an animal, but like we don't have an animal. And you're starting to maybe freak out. And Abraham says, God will provide the lamb. And we know in that story, Abraham prepares to sacrifice his son and the angel of the Lord says, stop, your faith is enough. And I provide the ram, God provided a ram here. And then later we look and see that God provided his own son to be the lamb of sacrifice for you and me. What a beautiful story. I can't write that. I can't make that up. I didn't just bring that to you this morning on my own. That is the Lord illustrating his beauty to you his salvation to you this morning, his good news. Oh, church is beautiful. And then we see in Exodus, the perfect picture of the Passover lamb, the blood covering and the spirit of judgment passing over. And that the blood of the lamb of God cleanses us and we pass from judgment and death into life and freedom, church. This is one beautiful, amazing story that God has written. All pointing right here to John 19. The coming of Jesus, his sinless life, his death on the cross, paying the record of my wrong by his blood and his resurrection. I won't get into that because that's next week and that's exciting too. So you better come back and hear that because it gets real wild after that, y'all. Come back. This is the best part of the movie. This is the part where you plan all your bathroom breaks before it, and then this part you stick around because you know it's gonna get crazy. This is it. And I started thinking about it this week, and I had, I've blessed a lot in my life to see a lot of really cool different things through my experiences in church. And one time I was at a church and they had this really cool painter come and do the, this painting, and. I, this isn't the one that I was at, but it was very similar. So did our video work today? Can we play it? Sweet. So we're going to watch like a really quick video. And I'm telling you, this is so cool. Just watch it. At the start, he was there. He was there.
people are crazy talented. Like, that's so cool. Um, and the whole idea is like, he starts this painting and you're like, what is this crazy dude doing? Like, he's painting so fast and you're like, this surely isn't gonna be anything that cool or spectacular. And then you kind of start to see some things and I hear some people out here like, oh, oh, do you see it? I think, I think it's Jesus, you see it, you see it? And he's doing these more brush strokes and it, the picture starts to come fuller and you're like, oh shoot, I see it, I see it. And then he flips it over and you're like, I knew it, it was Jesus. But you didn't know that from the start, you did not. You, you maybe had seen the video before, but you did not know but he was doing it and then it flipped over and you're like, it's Jesus. That is this moment here in John church. This beautiful picture that God has been painting from the beginning. One brushstroke at a time and his people have been saying, yo, what, what's he painting? What's this story he's telling? Okay, he's, he's doing this, he's passing over. What? Okay, I'm starting to get a picture of it and then there's some prophecy, another brushstroke. And as people start to get a picture of him, and then here in John 19, he flips the painting over and he says, behold the Lamb of God, it is Jesus Christ. And then he starts putting more brush strokes on it and Jesus is risen from the dead three, three days later and then he delivers us his spirit. That is it. And we can see it and stand back today and look at it and say, that is the good news. God is so good. We get to see his great story fulfilled, his promise kept. Church, is Jesus' last words, it is finished. That painting, it is finished. And this is it. He is the Lamb of God. As we close and kind of think about what do I do with this truth? What do I do with it today? It's for you. It's not just for me standing here. It's not just for a person who has their life together because trust me, I don't. Some of you know me. Stephen knows me. Juan knows me. I don't have my life together. It's for you though. Romans 10, 12 says there's no distinction. It's for you today. You don't have to fix yourself to come to him. You don't have to have your life put together. You don't have to have this perfect week where you lived this righteous life. He says, come to me, it is for you today. I have paid your payment on the cross and I will pass over. It's for you. By faith in his blood that he is the lamb of God, we are given new life and freedom. We are delivered out of slavery church. So there's a response of accepting that truth or not. Is that real to you this morning or is it not? And I pray that you come to this place of accepting. And then church, for those of you in the room who do believe, who have put your faith in Jesus, it's time for us to celebrate. All right, we just read the best news that could ever be written. And you need to celebrate this morning. We need to worship the king of all kings, the lamb of God who painted this story from the beginning and now we have it. Can we stand together as a family and worship Christ this morning? And I'm not just meaning, uh, no, you're gonna sing. And maybe, maybe you're gonna raise your hand. Oh, I don't know if we can do that, pastor. I don't know. Maybe, guess what? You can worship the Lord. Maybe, maybe a little swaying. Ooh, that, oh, that might be, that's not Baptist. You know, we can't dance here. You know, we can't do that. 
Come on, let's worship the Lord together this morning, church. This is good news, and you and I have been bought by the precious blood of the Lamb. Can we worship him this morning? Let's go to him in prayer. God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for taking my place, my suffering, my cup, and for creating a way for me to come to you. Oh God, I'm so thankful. You have made a way that I once was lost and now found in you. I thank you, Jesus. God, bring people to you this morning. Would people give their lives to you? I ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl.gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.